Welcome to episode four of the Inner Athlete Podcast. Today, I have what is probably going to end up being a pretty long episode, um, but I'm pretty fired up to talk about it because this is the kinds of stuff that when I'm coaching and I get questions, I'm like, I cannot believe the stuff that is out there. And it just makes me so fired up to just hopefully be able to shed some light on some things and hopefully give you guys some direction in your own journey. And that's what I'm all about. I want to create a place and a space for you guys to find out the things that really matter and hopefully drive some better results and or better mindset around your fitness, your nutrition, your training and all of those things. So today we are going to talk a little bit about fat loss myths. I mean, and some of them are true, but I'm going to break it down because at the end of the day, even the truths are usually just misunderstood. So I want to kind of give you a little bit of an insight as to what matters on these myths, if they truly are a myth, and if you are going to apply a truth, how to actually apply it appropriately. So hopefully this will give you guys some direction. So before we even get started, if you have not already downloaded my five steps of fat loss guide, that would probably be a good place for you to start especially if you are looking for some direction on your own fat loss journey. Um, that's going to give you a little bit of the stuff that actually matters and will hopefully get you set up for a more successful future plan versus an instant quick fix. And I'm going to leave it at that, but please dive into that. Let me know your thoughts. Feel free to shoot me an email. I'm going to put my email address in the show notes as well. Um, but without further ado, without further ado, did I just say that right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get started. Um, so number one, the the biggest fat loss myth I think that I see a lot is hung up on the scale. And it's number one, the misconception that weight loss equals fat loss and vice versa, weight gain equals fat gain. Okay, so number one, um, I might be talking to the person that steps on the scale every day and the scale goes up two pounds in a day and they're freaking out. And they're like, why did my scale just go up? And they think that just, they just put on two pounds of fat. Suddenly, everything about them just changes. Uh, vice versa, the person that decides to go on a cleanse or a detox and they lose 10 pounds in a week and they're like, man, I just lost so much weight. I feel so good. Um, that's not what people think it is. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that. So weight loss does not equal fat loss. Weight loss equals weight loss and fat loss does equal some weight loss. Okay. So I'm going to use a pretty quick analogy before I even kind of dive into this is imagine you have a pillowcase. You can fill that pillowcase with a bunch of feathers. You can put some sand in there. You can add some rocks, marbles, and sticks. And I'm going to call that pillowcase and all of that contents your body. So your body composition is going to be composed of your skin your organs, your bones, your um, whatever food you've ingested, whatever waste you got holding on to, your muscle, your fat, and water. Like your body's composed of all those things. So when you cut out a large amount of food, aka go on a fast, when you cut out a large amount of carbohydrates, aka go on a low carb diet, you're actually losing a lot of things besides fat. So you're not actually changing your fat cells. You're changing the contents of your body. So if you have that pillowcase in your mind right now, I want you to look at the feathers like fat, 
the sand-like muscle, and those marbles, rocks, and sticks is all the other things that make up your body, your organs, your skin, your bones, all that stuff. Essentially, what you're doing, well, we'll call the we'll call the sticks the rocks. How about or the sticks the water? Essentially, what you're doing is you're removing all of the water, and then maybe you're removing some, which we'll call the sticks, and then maybe you're removing some of the rocks, which we'll call your food, your food volume. So your weight is changing because of the contents of your body, not necessarily because you've lost body fat. Now, vice versa, fat loss does cause some weight loss. You can lose fat. That's part of dieting, right? We want to lose fat, but it's very minimal as opposed to what people think. You know, we can get really hung up on that whole one to two pounds a week number, but it all depends on the body's ability to burn fat. There's a lot of other factors that are going to go on to that. Now, what you will normally feel is people will say, I feel so much better. I feel so much lighter. I feel like I'm not as bloated. Sure. Those are all fair, true statements. You have probably cleaned out your system a little bit. You're feeling the depletion of glycogen in your muscles from lack of water. So you probably are going to feel that way. And for some, it might actually even cause a little bit of a boost in energy because being depleted of carbohydrates is going to raise cortisol levels, which initially might create a little bit of that fight or flight response where you're kind of super wired and you might feel like, man, I can tackle the world right now. That's kind of what you might be experiencing. So I wanted to kind of start by debunking that. That's going to kind of segue me into number two, which is losing fat is a linear progress or process meaning that every week you're going to be seeing the same weight loss. So that's basically saying that you're telling yourself you can predict in two weeks from now, four weeks from now, eight weeks from now, what your body weight's going to be. I'm going to tell you right now, it is not a linear progress process. Why do I keep saying progress? Well, I guess it is progress. Um, in fact, there's many things in your weight loss journey or your fat loss journey that have nothing to do with something that you can control. So you know, for one, your hormonal and your physiological, the, the hormonal and physiological adaptations that happen as you diet are going to sometimes stall your, stall your progress, your process, your, yeah, your progress. I said it right that time, your progress, your body has to adjust every time you make changes to it. At the end of the day, your body in as a survival situation, it is trying to optimize to survive. That's what it's trying to do. So every time you make changes to it, it's got to learn to adjust to those things. And that is also going to create sometimes a level of plateauing. Your body has to learn to maintain a new low. It's got to get used to, you know, burning on less calories, which is also going to create metabolic adaptation. Those are things that are really not in our control. They happen naturally with fat loss, with dieting. What is within our control that can sometimes affect the progress is the things that are, are things like lifestyle and compliance. I honestly will hands down say that that's also not linear because at the end of the day, life isn't always the same. Things are going to come up in your, in your journey. You're going to have a weekend where you have to go to work in a different town and you're going to be living in a hotel. There's going to be less than ideal situations. We cannot control our environment and often a lot of the situations in it, which also might hinder our body's ability to stay on that linear track. So if you're always looking for that linear down, it's not realistic. 
What is realistic, though, is knowing that you are going to have times where you're going down and it looks good and you're happy. And then you're going to have to take times where it's like it's going to coast, stay the same. And then maybe it's going to start going back down again. So that's where I really believe that tracking progress is so important. That's why I use a tracker with all of my clients. I'm looking at not only their day-to-days, not only their week-to-week, but like week-to-week, month-to-month, all of those things. If we're continuing to see a downward trend over time, that's good. That's kind of the linear part of it, but it's not always going to be a downward spiral. Sometimes there's going to be a time where it's like, let's just stay here and maintain. The next um, one I want to talk about, the next myth I want to talk a little bit about was, this is a big one. I hear this a ton. I'm not eating enough to lose weight. I just don't eat enough. That's why I can't lose any weight. Hands down, that is probably the biggest misunderstood piece of fat loss. Because there is some truth to it, but it's not the truth that you think. You aren't under eating per se. Now, I will say there are a few cases that the person is really under eating. But once again, I'm going to talk a little bit about why. You aren't under under eating per se. And that's not why you're gaining weight. It's what you've done to your body. And I'm going to explain that. So a couple of things. First things first to start off. If you live a very sedentary life, you are going to burn less calories. If you sit all day, your caloric needs are much lower than somebody that's very active, even if you're overweight. And if you're overweight, believe it or not, you are burning more calories just for the sake of the fact that you have more weight to to move. So if I was wearing a 20-pound vest, I'd be 20 pounds heavier. My body's got to work a little harder to support that. But if I also live a very sedentary life, that's also going to make my metabolism or it's going to make me burn less calories. I'm just not going to burn as much throughout the day. So the other thing that happens is as people diet a lot, your metabolism adapts to the diet. So if you start off at 1600 calories, your body's going to get used to that. And then as weight loss slows, you're going to keep dropping and dropping and dropping. At some point, it's not healthy to keep dropping because at that point, other things in your body start to go bad. Hormone function starts to decrease. Sleep starts to get bad. You're starting to get anxiety, depression. Your actual adherence to the diet starts to go down. So in that case, technically, it's not that you're not eating enough to lose weight. It's that the amount of calories you would have to cut to in order for you to lose weight is not healthy. So at that point, if you truly are under eating, you've dieted yourself down into a low calorie point, the best thing you can do is work on bringing calories up to maintenance, possibly trying to increase your activity a little bit, your non-exercise activity, get your metabolism working a little bit better, a little bit healthier, get into a better place to be able to diet on a healthier number of calories. Hopefully that makes sense a little bit. Now, the other thing that happens when people tell me that they're not eating enough to lose weight, and this is often common in the overweight community, is a complete underestimation of how many calories they're actually taking in. 
I cannot stress enough how the awareness of tracking your food and food portions will hands down open your eyes to how many calories some people are truly eating. And it's why the weekends tend to be the most damaging parts of most people trying to lose weight because they're completely underestimating the caloric contents of a lot of the foods they're eating on the weekends. So you're probably eating more than you think. And that's probably why you're not losing weight. So that's kind of a little bit longer one on the number three, because I do want you guys to understand that it's not that you're not eating enough. There's two case scenarios. One, you're underestimating your overall calorie intake. Two, you've dieted yourself down so much, your metabolism is so sluggish that in order for you to lose weight, you would have to drop calories to a very unsafe level. So it's always important that before you start any journey that you look at where your calories are. This kind of goes into number four as well. My hormones and my age are causing me to gain weight. There is some truth to hormones and age affecting your overall metabolic function and your body's ability to burn calories, right? That is part of aging. But there are also things that happen along the way of aging that affect that in our lifestyle. So as we age, we're typically going to be moving more. We're going to be less active. Maybe we now have a full-time job, you know, in a desk versus being a bartender at a restaurant when we were in our 20s. Like there's things that are different. Maybe we're sleeping more and not moving as much. There's a lot of things that are different as we um, age. And at the, at the end of this all, this kind of very much couples with number three, you know, a lower sluggish metabolism from hormone fluctuations, from all those things is going to make you have to diet on a lot less calories. So we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, maybe how to fix some of these things in a future podcast. But what I want you guys to understand from these two, number three, and number four, is that your lifestyle does play a factor into your fat loss results. If you have a sluggish metabolism, if you live a very sedentary life, if hormone fluctuations are causing some issues, you know, looking at your lifestyle as a whole might be a great place for you to start. Because it's not that you're not eating enough, it's that we have to get you to actually burn some more calories naturally without maybe increasing stress by adding more activity from a training program in. Okay, number five. It's going to be another big one. Oh, man. Hopefully, I'm not going too fast. Hopefully, you guys can take some notes. And maybe I'll put my little guide here in the show notes for you guys. Number five. And I kind of coupled a few different things into this one. Um, carbs make you fat. Fat makes you fat. And I can eat as much as I want, as long as it's healthy. Those three things. And I, I was going to make, you know, a separate one for each one. But I feel like when it comes down to it all, it's this misconception about specific foods causing fat gain and avoiding them causing fat loss. I didn't exactly know how to title that, but I wanted to kind of make sure that you guys knew that. And then also the thought that like some, some foods are just don't make you gain any weight. And that's also not true. Okay. So first of all, carbs make you fat. Carbs do not make you fat. Carbs do not cause fat gain. What causes fat gain is taking in too many calories. So at the end of the day, if you're getting more calories in than your body needs, you are going to gain weight, hands down. Now kind of reflecting on number three and number four, 
your tolerance to how many calories you can ingest is going to be affected by those things, right? So it's important to note that a lot of times when people cut out carbohydrates, they lose weight. This also goes back to the very first one that I said, number one, weight loss is not always fat loss. So they're going to be losing some water, but also number three and four is, well, not really three and four, but is that carbs have calories in them. And if I'm cutting out a source of calories from my diet, I'm cutting back on how much I'm eating. It wasn't the carbohydrates that helped me lose weight. It was the lack of water. And then it was the less calories that have now caused me to lose weight. And I say that, and this is where it kind of goes into number three, is that when that stalls, when that stalls, people don't know what to do. All of a sudden I stop losing weight. I'm still doing the same thing. Exactly. You've cut out carbohydrates. You've cut out that source of calories. Now your metabolism has adapted to that set of calories. So now you've got to change something up. This is very similar in in an opposite is that fat makes you fat. Fat does not cause you to gain weight. Excess calories causes you to gain weight. So if you cut out a lot of your fats from your diet, it's going to make it a lot easier for you to lose fat. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about both of these things from a calorie set point or calorie standpoint. One gram of carbohydrates is four calories. So if I have something that has 20 grams of carbs, I've now had 80 calories. One gram of fat has nine calories. So if I've had 20 grams of fat, I've had 180 calories. So at the end of the day, fat is way more expensive on your calories than carbs are. Now, I just wanted to say that because a lot of you guys are looking to lose fat, and I want you guys to understand that calories matter, but your fat intake is going to affect your calories overall a lot more than carbs will, depending on the portion sizes. It's also a lot easier to eat too much fat because a tablespoon of oil is 15 grams of fat, and I wouldn't even know that I had that. The next one is kind of going into that is that I can eat as much as I want of quote-unquote food, let's call it protein, Let's call it um, I'm eating vegan or vegetarian or I'm eating paleo, uh, gluten-free, dairy-free, any of those things. As long as it's healthy, I'm going to lose fat. Guys, those are not fat loss strategies, for one. Calories matter. Those are health-focused strategies. So if you're eating vegan or vegetarian for purposes of like some people I hear, they want to remove inflammation, they think meat's inflammatory, whether it's a moral issue, whatever it is. It shouldn't be from a fat loss perspective. Using those diets as a way to control calories is not realistic, especially if you're someone that enjoys meat eating. And at the end of the day, you're still not controlling calories per se. You're kind of eliminating food groups, which in the beginning is going to eliminate sources of your calories. You still have no control over it. Same thing with like gluten-free and dairy-free. If you have an intolerance, sure, you should probably be avoiding those foods. But from a fat loss perspective, it's not going to help. At the end of the day, what I want you to get from number five is that calories matter most, which brings me into number six. I think I did a really good job on my layout today. Boom. Number six is a calorie is a calorie. All calories are created equal. I'm going to say that this one is part true because a calorie really is a calorie. So I can't, I can't take one calorie and turn it into five calories. At the end of the day, one calorie is one calorie. But the composition of what's in the food that contains those calories might be very different. 
So 100 calories is always going to equal 100 calories. And what I said in my in my layout here is that, but all food is not created equal. So even though calories are equal, food is not equal. So for instance, 100 grams of broccoli is not going to do the same thing for my body as 100 grams of white rice. It's going to be very different. 100 grams of nuts is not going to do the same thing for my body as 100 grams of raw chicken. They're going to do very different things. So a couple of things that are going to factor into this. Um, the micronutrient and macronutrient breakdown of the calories you eat also affect what it does for your body. So like I said, 100 grams of broccoli, okay, is only about 7 grams of carbs, about 2.5 grams of protein, but it's loaded with micronutrients, loaded with vitamins and minerals. So my body's going to be digesting that broccoli, breaking it down. Obviously the proteins, something are going to go to my body for macronutrients, energy, you know, those types of things, but all of those other nutrients are going to be pulled out and utilized in my bloodstream. hundred grams of white rice, you know, versus the broccoli, they weigh the same on a food scale, but that broccoli has seven carbs. The rice has 21 carbs. So it also has no fiber, um, has a little bit of protein and not as much nutrients. So my body's going to absorb those 100 grams of white rice very differently. I'm getting a lot more carbs, a lot less nutrients. So the composition of what you're eating matters. And it matters from a couple of reasons. So one is obviously like the micronutrient breakdown, giving your body enough to optimize its body's your body's ability to perform, uh, your body's ability to perform not just in the gym but in life. But let's talk about compliance on a dietary protocol. So high calorie foods and low volume foods are often going to make you more hungry versus a higher volume food and a lower calorie food. So if I put, for instance, if I had four chocolate rice cakes, that's like, and I know this offhand, it's like 45 carbs. That's also the equivalent of like an ounce of granola, which is like a cup. So like density wise, I'm probably going to feel like I ate a lot more visually and in my belly if I had that. And if I used a less processed food, if I used something like uh, broccoli, if I had 100 grams of broccoli, just to give you guys who don't weigh your food out an idea of what it looks like, probably would be about, call it two cups, three cups maybe on a plate. So if you have like a 12-inch dinner plate, call it like half a plate versus 100 grams of nuts, that's probably going to look like maybe half a cup of nuts. And that half a cup of nuts is a lot easier to grab and munch on. Same thing with like chicken, with the 100 grams of chicken breast on my plate, it's probably gonna look like the size of a deck of cards. So that gives you an idea of how that's going to fit in with your overall compliance. You want to feel full when you're in a fat loss journey. There's also a thermogenic effect that food has. So the most thermogenic food you eat is going to be um, things high in protein, but also fiber is going to cause a lot more work for your body to break down. Whereas the lower things are going to be fats. Fats are actually the least thermogenic food that you eat. And kind of funny thing is they're also the most highly caloric. So calories are always calories, but what, com what composes those calories is what matters most for your overall compliance and how your body's going to break those things down. And I will hands down say that if I ate a diet, and I was actually talking about to somebody about this, that I wanted to kind of do a study where 
Um, I went like on a, a week of like low, low quality foods, like super highly processed, just like no fiber um, and see if my body composition felt or if my body felt differently eating that versus like eating the higher quality foods and see if my weight changed um, because I do try to eat a ton of veggies and a ton of like whole foods. So I'd be interested to see if it makes a difference. Little study that I thought about doing. So that's kind of what I want to talk a little bit about there. Um, all right, moving on. Number seven. Meal timing matters. Yes and no. Um, and the myths I want to kind of debunk are three things. First of them is fasting. Fasting, intermittent fasting, whatever you want to call it, causes fat loss. This is a huge myth. What causes fat loss in a fasting protocol is it's harder for you to overeat. You're going to be put into a, a calorie deficit naturally from the fit, from the fact that you're probably eating less overall calories. So if I'm telling myself I can only eat for four hours a day, for the most part, there's only so many calories I can cram in there. Now, granted, most people that start something like that are also motivated to make changes to their food quality. So they're probably doing both. They're probably cleaning up food quality and limiting their dietary um, window of eating. So they're going to see double wham on that. It's also very hard to sustain though. Now there are some cases where I don't have an, I don't have an issue with people fasting because for their lifestyle, it works for them. Maybe they have a large appetite. Maybe they have a really busy day and they would rather eat like in the morning and at night, or maybe they would rather have like, you know, you, you know, their larger portions of their food earlier in the day and less at night. That's, that's all fine. That's all fine and good. But I want you to understand that that's not what caused the fat loss. The calorie deficit is what caused the fat loss doesn't have any effect other than that. Now there are some other, you know, we can kind of dive into, maybe I'll make a separate podcast just on fasting because there are some other benefits to it that they do claim that I can kind of talk a little bit more about specifically, but from the fat loss perspective, I want you to understand that it's not the reason why you're losing weight or why you're causing fat loss. It is actually the less calories you're taking in. Nighttime eating. I get this question a lot. Can I eat at night? Should I not eat at night? I'm not supposed to eat after 6 p.m. It's all bullshit. Once again, eating too many calories causes weight gain. Nighttime snacking is often super highly caloric. So it's not that cutting out that nighttime snack. So, okay, back up, Cheryl. So people will associate the nighttime snack being cut out with why they lose weight. When in truth, they probably cut out a large source of calories from their day. So now they lost weight. But the association is nighttime snacking removed, weight loss happens. When it really should be less calories overall, weight loss happens. But I cut out the calories at night. Hopefully that kind of debunks that a little bit. Correlation is not always causation, right? Also, for those of you guys that have a hard time sleeping, especially if you're in a dieting um, phase, uh, you could be getting an experience of like high cortisol levels at night, which makes it hard for you to fall asleep and stay asleep. So sometimes having a little snack before bed can help you fall asleep. Your body's also very active at night. And so it's important to actually make sure that you're, you know, fueling that a little bit. I'm not saying you have to be like, oh, I'm going to bed and I'm getting ready to get anabolic. So I've got to like carb up and this and that, but no, like go to bed, have a little something in your belly. So you don't feel like you're thinking about food. That's okay. You know, like, you know, there are some people that struggle with eating at night because of other issues like digestive issues, heartburn and stuff like that. 
you know, for those populations, yeah, eating before bed is probably not right. But having a snack if you're hungry before bed is not going to derail your progress. Um, vice versa. The other one you hear about is skipping meals is bad. Like, oh, I, I missed my breakfast. I'm going to gain weight. My metabolism is going to slow down. Once again, that's bullshit. Calories in, calories out. Now, I will say from energy perspective, from, you know, product productivity perspective, Overall, if you want to make yourself feel best, which honestly is going to probably help your body burn more calories in your day, eating regularly is, is suggested. It's also helpful for you trying to dial in your nutrition to have a structure to your plan. Because what I find happens when people skip meals, that's usually when there's lack of accuracy in their food journal because they probably didn't have time for lunch. So they grabbed a handful of this on the way to the office. Um, or, you know, on their way, on their way to the break room or whatever it might've been, that's where little things are being underestimated. And it's important to know that that's probably why you're gaining weight. It's not because you're skipping meals. It's because the habits that come with skipping meals ends up creating an issue. So, um, this also goes in line for people that are like, oh, I've got to make sure I eat breakfast every morning. Um, if you don't like to eat first thing in the morning, then don't. You know, that's where that fasting protocol might be part of your lifestyle. Maybe you finish your last meal eight or nine at night and you're not hungry again till 10, 11 in the morning. That's okay. Don't stress about it. Don't force it. None of your habits in your focus in terms of like, I shouldn't say none of your habits, but none of your actions when it comes to fat loss should feel so forced that it's like going to be hard to sustain. So if it's like six o'clock in the morning and you're starving, and you wake up to go to work and you're not supposed to eat until nine, dude, eat something. It's not going to derail you. Now, I also know that there's a thing about you have to have some kind of willpower because to maintain your diet, you have to be able to sustain the calorie deficit and you want to make sure you're smart about spacing out your food. I get that. But don't be afraid of skipping a meal. Don't also be afraid of eating if you're hungry. All right. Speaking of fasting, let's talk about fasted training. Oh gosh. I get this one a lot too. I've got to do fasted cardio. Cheryl, should I do fasted cardio? There's, I don't even know where to start and I'm going to try and keep it super simple is because this, this all kind of, you're going to get the common theme here, right? Is that calories and or calories and calories in versus calories out matter. Yes. There's a bunch of other things that can factor into that, but at the end of the day, whether your body's fast or not, it's not going to burn any less or any more calories. It's also not going to cause you to lose any more fat. So what I will say is specific training protocols or specific training sessions um, feel better in a more fasted state versus more of a, versus a more fed state. So um, I'll use myself as an example. Um, I don't like fasted cardio per se, but whenever I'm doing things that require me to um, be very like aerobic or even being upside down um, or, you know, moving a lot of repetitions, the more CrossFit, I don't want to call it CrossFit because even CrossFit, I need to be fed, but like the stuff that doesn't require a lot of mental energy, it's just kind of moving. So like a good example is like aerobic intervals for me, you know? I don't want to have a bunch of food in my body. However, I do normally still eat something beforehand. I just don't want to feel full. 
Now, if I'm going into a one rep max snatch, clean and jerk, back squat, deadlift, I'm going to want to have made sure that I ate a good lunch at around like noon and I'm going to be training at like 1.32. I want to feel really good going into that session. So when it comes to your training and your nutrition protocols, what I'm going to tell you is fasting training, fast training does not burn any more fat than non-fasted training. When it comes to down to it though, you have to figure out what works best for you and how you feel. However, when it comes to things like CrossFit, when it comes to things, like I said, heavy lifting, anything that you're looking for maximal performance on, you are going to perform better if you have energy available. So you want to make sure that the day before that your, your nutrition is dialed in, obviously. So that's where like the workout, the pre-workout meal doesn't matter as much as what you're eating the days leading up to it. That's why nutrition seven days a week matters more. So you want to make sure you have enough energy available for it. Um, and you want to feel good. If you're somebody that, you know, you're going to a CrossFit class at 530 and 5:30 AM and by like six o'clock, you're like, I can't wait for this to be over. Cause I'm so hungry. And you guys are just about to start the CrossFit Metcon. Like that's not a good place to be in for you to be that hungry. However, if you feel good, you wake up and you're like, man, I feel amazing. Like that's different. I will say that you're, you know, you definitely need to make sure that you're getting in a post-workout meal to recover a little bit, but that has nothing to do with fat loss per se. Everything to do, well, actually I take that back, has a little bit to do with fat loss and I'll tell you why, but everything to do with you feeling good. The reason I say it has a little bit to do with fat loss is because usually if somebody does not eat or take in nutrients after their workout, about two to three hours later, they're starving. So their compliance on their nutrition plan probably goes to shit. So that's where having a little something might help. So um, I will also say that for some people, they might like to not eat earlier in the morning because they would rather go into their session. And if they're in a calorie deficit and they're kind of feeling like they need to save calories for later in the day, that might be part of their strategy. So they might be like just using that as a way to kind of prevent them from feeling super hungry later in the day. That's okay. But at that point, their recovery and their workout performance is not their main priority. Their priority is like, I don't want to be hungry at seven o'clock PM. So I'm going to make sure I save some calories for that. Fat loss myth number nine. Well, I wouldn't really call it a myth, but more so um, a misunderstood concept with fat loss. Eat more. I'm sorry. Eat less exercise more. And I'm going to reference Jay Tata, um, and I'm going to go ahead and just transfer you guys over to his podcast because he's got an amazing podcast. And I listened to one of his articles probably a good year and a half ago. I don't even remember. Um, it's a very old one, but he talks a lot about this concept and the different dietary toggles. And this is the one that I think most people think works, and it couldn't be farther from the truth. And I do try and really push this into all of my clients most people decide this is the, this is call it like the new year's mentality is january 1st i'm starting the gym i'm cutting out all processed foods so they're going to start moving more and dieting so they're eating less they're moving more the problem with that is a couple of things one it's very hard to sustain two the well one it's very hard to sustain but and the reality is, is because if you're making these crazy drastic lifestyle changes, 
and you're not asking yourself how long you could do that for, you're setting yourself up for failure. And that's what happens on February 1st. People forget what they even started because they're like, there is no way I was going to be able to maintain that. Before you guys decide to start dieting and adding exercise in, this is why I really think it's important for people to like get the checks and balances in play. You know, like, where am I at right now? Should I be moving more or should I be eating less? One or the other. So for somebody that's very sedentary, they're sitting in the office, not doing much of anything. I'm probably going to start them like, let's get you moving a little bit more, but it's not what you think. It's not, let's go do, you know, three CrossFit workouts in a day. It's how many steps are you getting in a day? How much are you moving? Are you getting up and walking around every once in a while? Are you fidgeting or do you sit there and like, you know, not do anything? When it comes to actually seeing your fat loss results and actually allowing them to stick, your lifestyle long-term plays a factor. So always start with one thing and then move on. If you start exercising more and eating less, a couple of things are also going to happen physiologically. Cortisol levels are going to go higher because exercise is a stressor, which is probably going to make you way more hungry. And it's going to cause your metabolism to adapt a little bit faster because now you're doing two things at once. So I would highly recommend instead focus on one thing. And for most people, the dietary changes will be the start and then start adding in. When it comes to the overall lifestyle that you want to live, you have to ask yourself, what kind of person are you? And I'm going to once again tell you to go listen to Jay Tata's, uh, Jay Tata's podcast on this. I'll try and look up the episode after I finish recording. But are you an athlete? I'm an athlete. I want to be able to perform. I want to be able to train high volume. I've got to eat to support that. So I'm able to maintain my low body fat percentage because my training and my nutrition are in check but I'm fueling my training with my nutrition. I'm not limiting my nutrition and sacrificing my training. If you're somebody that just does not like to exercise, you live a more sedentary life, you are going to have to eat less calories. I am 130 pounds, five foot four, extremely active. There's another woman out there that's 130 pounds, five foot four, very inactive. We could both be pretty healthy, doing very different dietary protocols. I'm probably eating way more food than she is. And if she's happy, great. She likes her lifestyle. Awesome. I like my lifestyle. I like what I eat. Awesome. So know what kind of person you are. Number 10, and this kind of goes along with number nine, I'm too stressed to lose weight or stress is making me gain weight. Yeah, it probably is but not because of the reasons you think, okay? I want to explain a little bit of a couple of things. So first of all, what are stressors? Exercise is a stressor. Lack of sleep is a stressor. Work is a stressor. Traffic is a stressor. Environment stressors, so those are environmental stressors. Dieting is a stressor. All of those things combined create a lot of stress. And it's not the stress per se that is causing you to gain weight. It is the effects of it. So one, what do most people do when they stress? They stress eat. So you end up eating more food, which means your compliance on your dietary protocol goes down the drain. Two, stress can also affect things like your hormones. Once again, we can talk about food quality, but like 
Hormone imbalances are also a stressor on the body. Your body's trying to bring them back to normal. So all of those things can affect your fat loss. And as I exit this podcast today, what this can lead me into is the understanding that like what you guys want needs to be assessed from the standpoint of where am I at right now? So before you jump in, where you're at right now matters. And once again, I'll talk to you about my fat loss guy, but I speak about that in that because if you are burning the candle at all ends, the lifeline of your results and or your compliance with your plan to get your results is going to be very short-lived. And that's the honest coach in me wanting to give everybody the feedback that they need to be as successful as they want to be with their goals. So if stress is a big factor for you, you've got to look at what you can do to minimize those stressors before starting the diet and or what your dietary protocol might look like. Maybe it's taking a slower approach, more diet breaks. Fast is not always best. Well, hopefully this podcast gave you guys a little bit of insight onto some of the many common fat loss myths and thoughts and all of that stuff that goes out in social media world or on the news or any of those things. If you guys have more questions, if you have anything to add about this podcast, anything you want to learn more about, please shoot me a message. I will leave my email uh, where you can find me on social media in the show notes, along with a little bit of an outline of what I talked about today. Have an awesome week, guys, and I will talk to you next week.